What's going on, family? Happy Monday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I hope you guys are doing well and in the midst of having a fantastic day. I hope your weekend was fantastic. Certainly some great wrestling things to talk about from over the weekend and really from last week. But first, as always, thank you so much for your continued support of all things connected to The Faction. You can follow us, of course, at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And, of course, you can subscribe to our podcast in all of the spaces, whether that is Google, Spotify, Apple. Just look for The Faction, and we may be adding some more outlets for those who are not in any of those specific spaces, so be on the lookout. Shout out to all of you who engage with us on social media, those of you who are subscribed to our podcast, and if you're just joining us for the first time, Welcome. It means the absolute world that you're here. I hope you find what we present in terms of pro wrestling conversation as something that you enjoy and appreciate. Okay, so there's a lot to get into. And of course, there was the big premium live event for NXT this weekend, NXT Halloween Havoc, which we will get into. But one of the big pieces of news to talk about are some changes in the landscape of the premium live event for WWE. So, of course, once they moved to Peacock, name changes began, specifically from what we've previously called pay-per-view events with WWE are now premium live events. So there's that. But now there are some other significant changes that are happening for 2023. If you've paid attention to the schedule, you will know that the last WWE premium live event for 2023 is the Survivor Series. There was not a premium live event scheduled for December and that is because kicking off the year was the day one pay-per-view. Now, that first surfaced in 2022. Top of this year, we had our first day one pay-per-view here in Atlanta, ironically. And day one, 2023, was scheduled for, ironically, Atlanta as well. Tickets were on sale, all of that jazz. And suddenly, WWE has canceled the day one pay-per-view instead for the folks in Atlanta it'll be a super show happening on December the 27th two days after Christmas on a Tuesday there are a couple of reasons for this cancellation one of them primarily has to do with scheduling so there are lots of things going on in the sports world period college football games etc 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 so scheduling became an issue for some of the superstars that were involved as well plus I think WWE is really trying to streamline what they're doing in the way of premium live event. So we're going to literally go from Survivor Series at the end of November and the next premium live event for Raw and SmackDown will be the Royal Rumble at the end of January. So it's literally a full two months, which is one of the longest periods that we've had without a premium live event in WWE. Personally, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a very, very good thing. And one of the other things that has been mentioned as part of that is that WWE is actually considering doing away with what's being called the quote-unquote gimmick pay-per-views, which includes Hell in a Cell Extreme Rules. Now, we'll obviously see whether or not that happens once we get into 2023, 
What they are planning to do instead is to do more international shows. Certainly, the success of Clash at the Castle certainly has led to that particular conversation. And obviously, the world wants an opportunity to be able to see WWE in their country, in their hometown. And if you're going to do it, do it in a grandiose way. So some changes are coming for 2023 for the premium live event for WWE. I think it's a good thing particularly if you can make these premium live events matter and mean something other than just another random event. I think this is all part of Triple H and the new regime, which I think is a very good thing. And I think it's a necessary thing as well. You know, you, you have to really take the time to really reevaluate what makes the most sense in these spaces and when you do you can create a product that really does offer tons of value to the folks who are paying attention so those are some of the things going on with wwe with that said let's take a look at what happened at this premium live event over the weekend for nxt NXT Halloween Havoc, which Shawn Michaels, who is head of creative there at NXT, is now referring to, or at least hoping, will become NXT's SummerSlam. So, as you can see, NXT, when they went to 2.0, moved away from NXT takeovers, and for a while, they weren't having much in the way of premium live events. I mean, there was War Games, which happened, which was the first event for 2.0. But then after that, it was Stand and Deliver. And so the idea for NXT is that Stand and Deliver would be kind of its WrestleMania-like event, which it has been happening, of course, during WrestleMania weekend for the last couple of years. And then now NXT Halloween Havoc would serve as its SummerSlam or its second largest premium live event. So that is significant. In addition to that, Shawn Michaels is hoping that Halloween Havoc in the future will be more aligned and recognized as an NXT property versus a WCW property. Now, for some, that sounds almost sacrilegious, but consider the fact that WCW Halloween Havoc had not been going on for an extremely long time. I mean, we're talking maybe six years tops, six events so NXT has the opportunity certainly to surpass that from a longevity perspective. The question is whether or not they can create the kinds of memories that will cause us to associate NXT with Halloween Havoc or Halloween Havoc with NXT. Would this weekend's NXT Halloween Havoc contribute to that? Well, we're definitely going to get into that where you can make that determination. And certainly I'll give my thoughts on that. Now, if you have not watched Halloween Havoc yet, this is going to serve as somewhat of a spoiler. So if you don't want the spoiler, go ahead and press pause, watch the event and then come back to this pay-per-view. If that is not a concern for you or you've already watched, keep listening. And we've got all sorts of information lined up for you. I got a lot left in the tank. What's up, guys? This is Mark here in the World's Strongest Man, and you're tuned in to The Faction. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? 
Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perceptions, reality. How do we get on Sons of Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. Wow. How about that? Oh. The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here forward a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it wouldn't read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win, there is a new will always be the S-H-W. This is a total package Lex Luger and you are turned into the faction. So let's run through the results of NXT Halloween Havoc. It kicked off with the ladder match to determine the vacant NXT North American Championship. And Wesley defeated Nathan Fraser, Carmelo Hayes, Von Wagner, and Oro Mensa to become the new NXT North American Champion. Apollo Crews defeated Grayson Waller in a casket match. Roxanne Perez defeated Cora Jade in a Weapons Wild match. Julius Creed defeated Damon Kemp in an Ambulance match. Mandy Rose retained the NXT Women's Championship by defeating Alba Fire. And then Braun Breaker defeated Ilya Dragunov and JD McDonough to retain the NXT Championship. So let's kind of dig through some of this pay-per-view and find hits, misses, and the like. It kicked off, of course, with the Scareway to Hell ladder match, five men for the NXT North American Championship. I will just say this. This has to be included when we start talking about match of the year candidates. Everything about this match was fantastic. All five guys had a legit claim and possibility to winning the North American Championship, and that makes matches like this fun to watch. When you can't exactly predict who's going to win, and when you can find a reason for any of them to win, it now gives us intrigue because you really don't know what's going to happen. And this match was filled with spot 
after spot after spot. I'm sure all five of these guys are taking ice baths right now, soaking in Epsom salt or whatever else they need to do to keep their bodies or to get their bodies back to a reasonable space because they really went through it in this match. Shout out to Wes Lee, who wins his first ever singles championship in any promotion by winning the North American Championship. And there is a tearjerker of a video that's out there which shows him greeting Shawn Michaels afterwards and they just hug and cry and it's special. Given the year that Wesley has had, Coming into the year, winning the NXT Tag Team Championships, only then to be stripped of the title when his partner was fired from WWE, and he's really been trying to find his way. I think this just makes all sorts of sense. So shout out to Wes Lee. I think it obviously elevated everybody in this match. For those who are unfamiliar with Oro Mensa, who came from NXT UK and was one half of the tag team champions there, it cements him as a solo star who who can absolutely compete and compare with everybody else on the roster. I think it's the best showing we've seen for Von Wagner since he has signed with the company. Nathan Fraser, same for him. And really, Nathan Fraser, I think, is finally gaining the kind of momentum he should have had all along. His run in NXT UK was okay, but what we have seen in the series of matches that he had with Axiom was amazing. The things he pulled off in this ladder match were incredible. And I actually thought at one point that Fraser was going to come out of here as a North American champion. And then, of course, there's Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo Hayes can really do no wrong. And it certainly would have been reasonable to put the strap back on him. But because they did not, it leads us to believe a couple of things. Could the future for Carmelo Hayes involve the NXT championship? That seems to make a lot of sense to me and others. Also, it could make equal sense for him to head to Raw or SmackDown. Any of those things can happen. We'll obviously have to watch to find out, but the future is super bright for Carmelo Hayes. So all in all, an incredible way to start the premium live event. And as a reminder, this is kind of a trick, not a trick, but a philosophy really in music when it comes to concerts, performances, and the like. And that is this. People remember the beginning and the end. They don't always remember the middle. So what that says is if your event starts hot and ends hot, not that you can have trash in the middle, but those are the things that people really, really remember. So with that said, there was a time in pro wrestling that nobody wanted to open the show because everybody thought that the value was found at the end of the show or closing the show or being deemed a quote unquote main event. But when you can open a show hot, that is of equal importance. And so with that said, I think all five of these guys did an incredible job and they set the bar super, super high for everybody else to follow. While the next match was Apollo Crews versus Grayson Waller, we ended up starting to see what was the beginning of a cinematic match for the Women's Championship, where Mandy Rose was told to meet Alba Fire in an undisclosed location, which really kind of gave us all of the Halloween kinds of vibes that we really wanted. It's been a long time since we've seen 
a cinematic match presented to us in WWE, period, to have it happen with the women, with this Halloween theme, I think was fantastic. I think it was really, really good. Now, we're going to get into some of the continuity issues once we get into that match specifically, but it laid the groundwork for something, and I thought that was important. Now then to Apollo Crews versus Grayson Waller. So this particular feud for me has been interesting for a few reasons. For one, Grayson Waller certainly seemed to be the guy that NXT was putting the rocket ship on, especially during the 2.0 days. Remember, he had an appearance on Raw, he was getting into a bit of a war of words and in the ring with AJ Styles and several others. And then it seems as though he kind of cooled off. So this battle with him and Apollo Crews has been interesting as I think it has obviously added layers to Grayson Waller. It's really begun to help us see what Apollo Crews can do in NXT. And it gave us kind of these almost superhero kind of vibes for him where, you know, now he's starting to see visions. He's having these ideas. He's trying to save people. All of those things are kind of cool. So a casket match, thanks to Spin the Wheel, becomes very interesting for both of these competitors. It's the first casket match in NXT history. Only the fourth casket match in WWE history to not involve The Undertaker. And so let me start by saying this. I feel like a casket match really is the specialty of The Undertaker. It is in line with his character, with supernatural powers. He's an Undertaker, so a casket match just makes sense. A casket match for two guys who don't really deal in that is interesting. And it's interesting for a few reasons. Because I don't know what the casket really means. And here's what I mean by that. Being put in the casket obviously means the end of the match. Does it mean the end of the feud? Does it mean the end of one's career in NXT? What does it really mean? And what does it mean if you come back on the next episode of NXT as if nothing happened? I don't know. So with that said, I feel like for me, this particular match and experience was probably the low light of the premium live event particularly for one spot which kind of turned everything around for me. So there's a moment when Apollo Crews gets knocked off of the top rope into the casket, busting through the casket. So the real question was, does this end the match? And Booker T talked about it on commentary, like the match is over. The referee seemed unsure of what to do because consider this, the rules of the match is you have to get your opponent in the casket, then you have to slam the lid shut. Well, if you've been slammed through the lid, then does it count as the lid being slammed shut or not? Well, as we're thinking about all of this, all of a sudden the lights go out. Now, when the lights go out, it could mean a couple of things. I'm expecting somebody to appear. I'm expecting something really odd to happen. Well, something odd did happen. The lights come up. Apollo is no longer in the casket. Instead, he's now standing outside of the ring with the Druids as though nothing happened. And now the Druids are bringing a bigger and better casket to the ring. And all of a sudden, Apollo Crews is re-energized and revitalized. So from a continuity perspective, this is odd because if you're supposed to be a superhero, that's one thing. But now we're talking about otherworldly powers. Weird. 
didn't make sense. There was no explanation. There was no understanding of this whatsoever. And then, of course, it leads to Apollo Crews ultimately winning the match. So the continuity issues are of concern for me. Honestly, I'd like to forget about this match because I feel like this match and experience kind of put a stain on what otherwise was a fairly solid premium live event outing from NXT. Those are my thoughts on that match. We then move to the women's match, Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade, Weapons Wild match. Now, this has been a feud that has been going on for a few months now. Two former best friends, former tag team champions, now in kind of a battle that certainly feels like this should end this war. And I thought it was a very physical match. I thought it was a pretty strong match for both of them. Both of them really needing to establish something. Cora Jade really needing to establish that she is a heel of heels. Roxanne Perez needing to establish that she can get an edge when dealing with a former best friend. And I think we accomplished both of those things in this particular match. The high spot when they were literally falling off of the stage through a table. Significant moment. Not exactly happy about how it was done. And I don't want to necessarily get into all of that type of stuff. But it seemed like there should have been a push off of there instead of almost a just let's fall together kind of thing. But with that said, I thought the match ended strong. I thought Roxanne Perez getting the win was the right move. It was the obvious move. And I don't think Cora Jade lost anything by losing this match. It was a well-executed match. I think both of them have a strong future in NXT. Now then to Julius Creed versus Damon Kemp in the ambulance match. If Julius Creed lost, then his brother Brutus would be gone from NXT. So coming into this match, whenever you have, at least for me, a stipulation that someone will end up leaving the company if there is a loss, I almost always think that they're going to lose. It's a really slick way to get people out of the company, whether their contract is ending or if they're moving, in this case, to Raw or SmackDown. Now, what was interesting about this is the Creed brothers obviously came in together as a tag team, former tag team champions. I could not exactly see why we would be breaking them up. On the flip side, if Damon Kemp lost, there really wasn't much for him to lose. So I kind of felt like this was going to be used to build Damon Kemp as a single star and really solidify the breakup of the Diamond Mine. Well, boy, am I glad I didn't get into any prediction shows on this one because I was definitely wrong. It was an extremely physical match. It almost made me scared considering how much weapons were being just thrown around. I'm not necessarily talking about being used. I mean being thrown around with full force with the potential of fans being injured. That concerned me, almost felt reckless, but certainly felt intense enough where I was vested in this. Again, a great match, I thought, for what it was because it was not designed to be catch-as-catch-can. It was designed to be a fight, and a fight Indeed, it was. Julius Creed gets the win. Again, I think both of them come out strong. And what's interesting was kind of the parting shot. Seeing Brutus Creed in, Ivy Nile in, it seems like Diamond Mine is perhaps back together or maybe they never left. The future of Damon Kemp is interesting here. Will he continue in NXT, which I think he should, but will he 
look for revenge against the Diamond Mine and the Creed Brothers. To me, it seems like the obvious open door to bring in his brother, Gable Steveson. And now we have a battle of brothers in NXT. Now, I know that Steveson was drafted to Raw, but that feels like a year ago. It feels like a whole lifetime ago. And with new people in charge, I feel like Gable Steveson probably should get started in NXT like most other new recruits do. So there's that. That leads us into the women's title match, Mandy Rose and Alba Fire, where we see Mandy Rose being driven to the arena again by Alba Fire after the craziness of how the match really started as a cinematic presentation. Now they end up in the ring and they have a strong battle. And here's where some slight continuity issues show up. And I hope it doesn't sound like I'm being too picky. I'm not trying to be picky. But I think NXT historically has been very, very good when it comes to continuity issues. So when you see continuity issues, it just kind of makes you wonder. For instance, Gigi Dolan was thrown into a freezer, right? How did she get out of the freezer? How far away was this location from the performance center? And most importantly, how did the rest of Toxic Attraction get back to the performance center? Did they take an Uber? Was there just a car waiting for them? Like these small holes in the story can be a little bit problematic for a brand who does great storytelling. So yeah, those are kind of the things that were left in my mind. Either way, Mandy Rose retains the championship and this Wednesday should embark on the one-year mark as the NXT Women's Champion. I think NXT has been so good for Mandy Rose. I think Mandy Rose really needed that time in NXT. I thought she was brought to the main roster too fast. Remember that she came basically fresh off of Tough Enough. Her and Sonya Deville were both on the same season of Tough Enough in 2015. While they did not win, they had very limited time in NXT before making their way to Raw and SmackDown as part of Absolution with the returning Paige. Of course, Paige would shortly thereafter get injured and now Absolution would kind of not be a thing anymore. They'd still remain as a tag team, but they did not have that veteran presence to be able to give them the rub that they needed. So, yeah, I do think that she kind of had a rough way to go. So going back to NXT, really getting to establish herself as a credible in-ring superstar is massive. So shout out to NXT. Shout out to Mandy Rose. I think this is all going well. Now the real question is, how long will Mandy Rose remain NXT Women's Champion? Will she be going after Asuka's record of 504 days? And so if that's the case, we're talking at least another four months as champion, which takes us certainly through Royal Rumble and potentially to stand and deliver, which I think would be a very interesting place for Mandy Rose to defend the NXT Women's Championship. So interesting times for sure. That takes us to the NXT title match, which we're talking about match of the year candidates. The opening match being that ladder match being won, this triple threat match, absolutely match of the year candidate. Anytime you get JD McDonough and Ilya Dragunov around, it's going to be match of the year worthy. No doubt about it. 
I think Braun Breaker's ability to hang with these two speaks to just how far Braun Breaker has come in the year or so that he has been actively wrestling. And we do have to remember that it's only been a year for Braun Breaker compared to the veteran nature of Ilya Dragunov and J.D. McDonough. What a match. What a story. It really could have gone many, many ways. Though I kind of felt like Breaker would retain, I really wanted to see Dragunov win. Here's a guy who ended up relinquishing the NXT UK Championship, never did get the opportunity to regain it. Now that it is merged with the NXT Championship, made sense for him to win. But there's a part of me that also wonders if McDonough and Dragunov will be cornerstones for the launching NXT Europe in 2023. If that's the case, then I guess I understand why they're not NXT champion. The other thing I'm thinking about is this. Who will be the person to take the title off of Braun Breaker? And what makes sense to me is Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker have not crossed paths It's as though they don't even speak of each other in NXT. Now that Carmelo Hayes is not the NXT North American champion, it just makes sense for Hayes to finally ascend to the place where we as fans have seemingly already put him as the face of NXT. So with all of that said, that's a look at NXT Halloween Havoc. It was a lot of fun. I thought it was a really solid pay-per-view excuse me, premium live event. It's going to take me a second. I should be used to this by now. Be that as it may, great, great times indeed. We had some AEW news we wanted to talk about, but I think this episode has gone just about long enough. So we're going to wrap that up. I do want to invite you though, if you're on Twitter to join us tonight, I think this is going to be really, really special. 6 p.m. Eastern tonight. Now, normally in that space, I'm on WWT Live as part of Women's Wrestling Talk. But tonight, I'm going to be part of something that I think is special, and I hope you guys will think it's special too. Pro Wrestling Illustrated is hosting Twitter Spaces tonight, and tonight they are co-hosting that with Battle Slam. So they will be talking to many of the stars that are a part of the Battle Slam promotion. I have been asked to be a part of this conversation, so I hope that you'll spend some time and join me tonight on Twitter spaces 6 p.m eastern as we talk about battle slam with pro wrestling illustrated so if you're a wrestling fan and you understand history you understand what pro wrestling illustrated means it is still the premier magazine and publication in all of pro wrestling obviously they dropped the pwi 500 i believe the pwi 150 is imminent if it's not already out it is the number one publication in pro wrestling so to be a part of a twitter spaces with pro wrestling illustrated is very very special to me it's a milestone it's a check mark on the bucket list for sure so i hope you guys will join us tonight on twitter 6 p.m eastern in a Twitter space with Pro Wrestling Illustrated as they talk to the members of the Battle Slam promotion, and I'll be a part of that. Also, if you're unfamiliar or you've not heard yet, we've got brand new merch 
that you can find at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied. Several of you have already ordered the Bet on You t-shirt. If you haven't, now's a great time to do it as the holidays are coming. And then we've just launched a brand new shirt called Five Seconds of Courage. That shirt really is my motto, and it's how I got into the pro wrestling business. And I promise we're going to do an episode specifically dedicated to that for those who are unfamiliar. Those shirts are available again at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied, so make sure you grab that. Last but not least, two other big pieces of news. One, Battle Slam, of course, is happening this Sunday. So if you're in the Atlanta area, you want to make your way to it. Battle Slam Thriller, the first title defense for our new world champion, Baron Black, as he defends against Speedball Mike Bailey from Impact. That ought to be an amazing match for sure. Then, of course, it's the debut of Abaddon, who scares me and freaks me out. So calling her match makes me nervous. Hopefully she'll stay in the ring and get nowhere close to the commentary booth. But yeah, it's Battle Slam Thriller. It should be a very, very special night, so you don't want to miss that. November the 4th, we've got SHW 45 happening. That's amazing. Of course, you can check out all things SHW on IWTV, all things Battle Slam on Fight TV, and then Championship District Wrestling. You can check that out on YouTube as the latest episode is dropped as well. Thank you guys so much for your continued support of all things connected to the faction. We'll have some more content for you this week. Until then, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray, I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. I my people, here we go.